Hello and welcome everyone to the Yang and Tang show. As you might see, it's only me today. You're probably wondering why. Uh, my Tang has some personal um, commitments that he has. So for the next few weeks, you'll just have me on this show. Um, so looking for anyone on the live stream to comment in because it's just me. But yeah, I felt like the show should continue with even without Mike. We'll probably have him back in the next few weeks. I'll try to get some guests on as well. Um, so yeah. And yeah, usually when we start the show, Mike asks me how I'm feeling, how I'm doing. So doing great here. I think we've had a very exciting week of baseball. I think MLB, you know, had a hot start. Giants off to a hot start, seven and two best record in baseball, second lowest ERA, and also um, fewest runs allowed, right? So I think Giants off to a hot start, definitely exceeding expectations. Um, you know, can't complain more about that or can't, um, can't don't have anything to complain about it rather, right? I'm very happy with uh, how we're starting. Let's see how the momentum goes, but pretty exciting stuff. And I think for the Warriors as well, Playoff season has started off. Now we have to see how they do with uh, the the core three back. Right, Curry is back, limited minutes, but still back. Clay Thompson looks like he's completely back from the injury, which has now been I think a year, a year plus now. So we'll have to see how he does um, and continues to strive. And Draymond Green looking a lot better in the playoffs as well. So we'll see his progression. I'm pretty happy with so far how he did in that last game. It's pretty nice to see Draymond back. Uh, he's definitely a core member of the team, both on the defensive end, which everyone knows about, but he had a few buckets as well, attacking in the lane and everything. And I think one of the breakout stars of this playoffs so far in the, the season is actually Jordan Poole. Right? Jordan Poole is looking a whole lot better you know, than he did about two years ago. Now he's looking, there's a lot of talks about him potentially replacing uh, Curry in the long run, right? Like he might be the next Steph Curry or the first Jordan Poole, you know? So pretty excited about that. I think uh, he has a lot of potential. He looked a lot better, um, I think, in this last game, in the last few games than he's ever looked. You know, um, I think one of the biggest news is he was snubbed for the most improved player. He wasn't even on the list. People were very disappointed by that. But to me, it doesn't matter, right? Like most improved is really uh, a compliment and an insult in some ways if you think about it. That means at one point you didn't do well. and <laughs> Now you're improved. Now you're actually capable Um but the way that Paul has been playing, he's actually making a story and a push if he keeps it up, potentially having a playoff MVP, right? And to me, I feel like a playoff MVP is going to be a lot more valuable than having um, having this most improved player type of um, um, accolade, right? So we'll see how it goes, see how things progress. But I think Jordan Poole is definitely in the runnings for that. And overall, um, I think the new core five is going to be Poole, Draymond, uh, Curry, Clay, and Wiggins, and potentially 
um, see them on the court together is exciting stuff for all Warrior fans, right? Like all Warrior fans are going to be really happy to see them play together. I think Kevon Looney has also made it into that rotation, right? Potentially, um, you know, the, the core six now, <laughs> as it were, and Iguodala being back also makes a big difference, I think, in the playoffs. So I'll get to my predictions later. We'll still do picks just like how we normally do it uh, when Mike is here. Um, but stay tuned for that. I'm pretty um, stoked about the Warriors and how they're progressing. So let's move on to NFL, um, take on some Niners news. Jimmy G, I think it's a big talk still, right? Um, latest is the Panthers were doing some homework on quarterbacks, specifically Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield. And so on Sunday, it was reported that the Panthers are looking at Iki Ekonawu, Totally mispronounced that name, but he's one of the top offensive tackle players. And same with Charles Cross. Panthers hold the number six overall pick. So the thinking is if somehow one of those offensive tackles happen to land at number six, they'll pick them up and then be shopping for a veteran quarterback, right? They wouldn't be drafting for a quarterback, which means Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield will be potentially be to the candidates for for the Panthers. So we'll see how that news progresses, but I think Jimmy G knew, uh, is definitely heating up, right? There's a lot of news heating up for Jimmy G and potentially uh, what team that he's going to play for. And to me, you know, it's getting a long, long story. And if you look at Rita Oak's uh, Twitter account, it's been, what, like 67 days since they announced it potentially will trade Jimmy G and when the season ended and he's still not traded yet. Right. And I think that's no surprise that most likely it'll be during the draft or after the draft, but there's also a scenario that got flowed out there where Jimmy G stays with the Niners. And to me, that's pretty intriguing. And the thought process is it's 25 million. And what the Niners can do is, restructures contract where they eat the $10 million in a bonus and the cap hit is only 15 mil. And he kind of stays with the team as a backup who knows the system. Trey Lance still starts. I think the drawback for this approach though, is that Jimmy G and Lance will split the locker room, right? Essentially have veteran players who want to win now and have their near the end of their career or maybe at the end of their peak, they want someone like Jimmy G to kind of carry them deep into the playoffs and win now. They don't have a season or two to wait for Trey Lance. Versus you have the rookies who are growing with Trey Lance that don't want all the pressure on them, right? They want to be able to stay with Trey Lance and kind of grow together. So there's kind of arguments of both sides of whether or not, you know, it's also a healthy locker room have someone like Jimmy G because it's splitting because of that split and also potentially a distraction. I like Jimmy G being in there kind of distracts from the leadership of Trey Lance. Will Trey Lance be able to develop as a leader of that locker room with Jimmy G there? Um, But I think with the injury concern um, and the recovery from surgery, the Niners can't cut Jimmy G until he's been evaluated and potentially can't trade them until that happens as well. 
and that could come a lot later. Right? It'll happen before the season starts. We'll definitely know that. But that's still a long ways away. We do have the draft coming up soon. So maybe some questions get answered during the draft or right after the draft. But right now, not looking good for Jimmy G. I mean, if you think about Baker Mayfield, the knock on him is he has had some injury concerns. He obviously has some maturity concerns. The reason why the Browns are trading him is because of the way he reacted to potentially being traded. And talent-wise, still a big question mark. He's never been to the playoffs, right? At least Jimmy G has been in the playoffs both as a backup and as a starter, has gotten pretty far. Um, but Jimmy G has those injury concerns, right? Um, I guess another pro for Jimmy G is leadership. He's definitely a leader in the locker room. And that's why there's some con argument in having him stay is because he does have a leadership quality to him that could override Lance's potentially. And that's always not good, right? You don't want to have too many chefs in the kitchen, as it were, you know, um, especially both on the offensive side, right? They're kind of playing the same position, literally. So you don't want that to happen. So we'll see how it happens with Jimmy G. And I think um, the Debo Samuel um, contract renewal news, there hasn't been much on that front, but he's been getting a lot of hate. I guess, from social media, from fans. I feel like it's very undeserved, right? Like, why, why are you hating a guy that is trying to negotiate for more money? I think anybody in his position would have done the same, right? Especially as a right receiver, especially as someone who's coming off the rookie contract, so you're not exactly well off yet, and you want to get this first contract because there might not be another one, right? So from his standpoint, I think he he wants to do everything he can to kind of maximize those dollars, maximize those guarantees, and potentially maximize those years, right? Um, I think the Niners will keep him. They'll probably work something out and get things going. But as of right now, you know, all the fans kind of turn on Debo. I don't think it's fair, right? But I think as a fan, we inherently are biased towards players over the team. Right, because the team is what we root for, really. Um, individual players kind of come secondary when it comes to rooting, and that's unfortunate, you know. But even with that being said, I don't think we should be hating on a guy who's trying to feed his family, <laughs> you know. Essentially, that's what Debo Samuel is trying to do. So, anyways, I think that's the Niners stuff. Um, pretty it's off season right now so not too much news i think we just have to keep track of jimmy g see how um his trade value goes hopefully we hear some more news about his injury status um and his recovery status rather from from his surgery um so yeah i think a lot of people joined the live stream probably wondering why is just me where's my tank um he's on a personal leave right now. He'll be back in the next couple weeks. But show goes on with me. So if you have any comments, want to leave uh, questions, I'll be more than happy to answer it on the air since I'm here by myself. Um, but you know, you get my perspective there. So, so let me move on to MLB now. I think uh, as I talked about at the start of the show, um, the Giants are off to a hot start. Right? I think Rodon has been. Pitching lights out, and we have Webb who's also pitching lights out. So we kind of have two pretty sound starting pitchers now. Kind of reminds me of the Tim Lissacum and the Matt Kane era. 
where we had the one-two punch. You know, and then I think the rest of the lineup, specifically, I think Cobb has really impressed me this season as well. Uh, we have a comment from Jeannie Lou. Oh no, Jerry Nightmare. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Is it a nightmare for you or for me? I'm kind of on my own. So, you know, like all the comments, all the all the feedback, hey, it's all on me since I don't have a partner to kind of rely on here. <laughs> but thanks for the comment there. Yeah, so 7-2, hot start. Giants looking really good. I think the guy that's really impressed me the most is actually Joey Bart. Joey Bart, not only stat-wise, is looking a lot better. I'm actually really happy with how he's working with the pitchers. Um, you can kind of see it with Duvall. Um, I think Duvall's having a pretty shaky start to start the season. But after the game, you're seeing Joey Bart kind of come, come for him and kind of give him the, hey, you did a really good job. I think it's really boosting Duvall's confidence, right? And he's been doing pretty good working with all the pitchers. And at the plate, he's actually looking really confident as well. You know, like he looks really lost, I think, the first time he was up. But now he's really impressed me. He's really exceeded all expectations at this point. Jeannie Liu says, agree. He's way, he's way better uh, than when he was up here in 2020 or any of his random appearances. Yeah, so I think that development work is really paying off as well as not having to live in Posey's shadow. I think it's really paid off as well, right? So I think that's the results we're seeing. And I think this goes to show that when it comes to baseball and comes to any sport, really, in developing players, if you're not ready, you're not ready, right? And we shouldn't be rushing people into the majors because we know it's a really hard sport either way. You're playing against the best of the best. And sometimes coaches look at you and they kind of know if you're ready or not. And I think we had to bring up Bart to kind of test him out a little bit and introduce him to the majors. Uh, one thing I was a little worried about is, is his play appearances in the 2020 season would have destroyed his confidence, right? Like some people get a taste of it and they completely cower. And then when they come back up, they're just never the same. And I think right now, Bart has shown that that's not the case for him. He's a guy who's here to stay. He's in the majors, and he's looking a lot a lot better than he's ever looked. You know, So really impressed with him, really impressed with the Giants so far. Um, so we'll kind of have to see how it goes um, as the season progresses. Um, this next series with the Mets will be really telling. Mets is also a really hot team, kind of bought their way with the talent, right? Different approach in the Giants uh, offseason where we're trying to develop younger talent. They're kind of taking the Dodgers route, right? Of signing guys like Scherzer and others there. So this series will be interesting. Well, it's a four-game series. Um, so we'll see how the Giants do. Um, but I'm pretty excited to see this series. I think it's going to be probably a three or four type of uh, series, hopefully, especially since we have Webb and Radon going. That's going to guarantee us two. I know Cobb is going in the first game. This uh, Scalfante, never pronounce that dude's name, you know, Discalfante is starting. So, you know, I think out of Discalfante and Cobb, we should get at least one win there. And Jeannie says they brought him because Buster's opt-out, he just wasn't ready. He's much better now. Agreed. Yeah, I think the Buster opt-out, I think, helped in two cents, where Buster, you know, he had twin kids, so obviously he wanted to stay stay off 
for a season and it was also COVID year, right? So I think for him, after that season, he was back. He was looking fresher, looking great. And last season he killed it, right? So it was good for him there. And I think it also gave some exposure to, um, you know, Castelli and as well as Joey Bart to see what they can do at pitching. So I think it was good at least to introduce him to the majors and glad that he's able to, um, take that experience and now become a more confident player and a be- way better uh, catcher as well. So, and then yeah, it's a doubleheader tomorrow since Jiggy Lou. That's right. Those doubleheader games are tough. I think <laughs> it's really tough to, I think, for the fans in some ways because it's such a, um, you know, you go through one game, kind of emotions of that game, then you kind of go through another game as well. But also for the players. You know, especially on the bullpen, you kind of have to see um, what players you want to put in because you have two games, but then you have another game tomorrow, right? Uh, or the day after, rather. So it's it's going to be a little bit taxing, I think, especially for the bullpen and who you have to put in. And so that's where I think the management and coaching pays off because they'll know who to shuffle in, who to take out. And I guess the good part is other teams also there doing the same thing. It's just after you finish the series, then you have another team that didn't go through this doubleheader that might have a little bit of advantage because you've exhausted a little bit of your bullpen and your matchups, right? So don't really like the doubleheaders, not a huge fan of it, but... You know, the good news is lots of baseball. You have all day to watch baseball, you know, <laughs> and who can complain about that one, right? So one thing I want to talk about in non-Giants news was Clayton Kershaw, right? I, uh, since the last episode, we weren't able to talk about it since it happened over the weekend. But Clayton Kershaw was pulled after seven innings. He only had 80 pitches in, and, you know, usually not a big deal. But the problem is he had a perfect game going, Right? Very controversial. Why did Dave Roberts pull Clayton Kershaw? And there's only been 23 perfect games um, in MLB history. He would have been the 24th if he was able to pitch two more innings, get three, uh, six more outs without having a player even reach base. Right? I think there's been a lot of no-hitters throughout the whole uh, MLB history because you know you get walks. It doesn't really count against your no-hitter. But for a perfect game, the player can't even reach base. You know? so, and I think for me, um, even though I'm not a Dodgers fan by any means or a Kershaw fan, I thought that was kind of weak sauce. You know, Why did Dave Roberts pull him? I can kind of see why from a long-term perspective, you don't want to burn the guy out, want him to get ready for the next series or for the playoffs even because – We've all known Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs does melt down. It might be because of his pitch count, because of his age. Um, so maybe he's factoring that into it. But how many times are you going to get a perfect game or an opportunity for a perfect game? So to me, I thought that was Bush League. I thought, you know, as any baseball fan, um, and the point of baseball is really to entertain, right? And there's nothing more entertaining than see a perfect game. So you're kind of robbing the fans as well. So, so I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know if, uh, you know, if you are, uh, <laughs> but I just thought that was not, not the best move and worth talking about. Right. And then Jeannie says, 
It was because of the shortened spring training, but missed opportunity for sure. Bum would have thrown a fit if he was pulled. Yeah, I know. I think most pitchers would. Most people pitchers would have thrown a fit. I would have, you know. And I know um, Clayton Kershaw to the media was saying that that was an agreed-upon decision between him and Dave Roberts. But that feels like the company line. Like, who would actually bury their their uh, manager, their skipper there, right? So I think that was no choice but for him to say that. So I kind of give him props for taking the professional route in a lot of ways. But, yeah, it was a bummer. I thought that was a big bummer for Clay Shaw for baseball altogether, right? Or Clayton Kershaw, rather. <laughs> all right, so I think last thing to talk about baseball, this was all over headlines people probably saw, but third baseman Antoine Richardson, got ejected after a big confrontation with Padres third base coach Mike Schnitzt. And it sounds like it wasn't the last time that Mike had that incident. Um, and I think there was a lot of talks about how there were some racist undertones, right, of that of this injection. And the way it happened, very unfortunate as well. Um, from Antoine Richardson's side of the story is, Mike was going into the dugout, was looking for Alex Cobb for some reason. And all Antoine said was, hey, how can I help you? Right? He was actually, Mike was getting into the dugout of the Dodgers and, or sorry, of the Giants, which people don't do, right? You don't go to someone else's dugout in the middle of a game. And so Antoine Richardson, Antoine, I kind of agree with you. Why was he trying to get in there? And then I think Mike, was over was reacting pretty poorly when Antoine asked him about that. He was saying things like, "Okay, you know, get uh, control your guy," or like, um, you know, watch his role, like something like that. That really set off uh, Antoine, right? And then for some reason, Antoine's the one that got rejected, uh, ejected from the game, right? So I thought that was questionable at best. Um, and baseball really needs to think about how they reject uh inject people because that was i thought a weak move you know that shouldn't have happened but you know that's i guess the way it is right so what do you guys think um that are on the live stream was that something that you expected what was your initial reaction mine was pretty shocking you know when i first saw it so um I guess the good news is um, Giants third base uh, coach that got replaced was Alyssa Nicken. Uh, Nicken, I can't pronounce last names as everyone knows, but she becomes the first major league uh, woman to be able to coach on the field. I guess that was the bright side of it. And what took so long? You know, I think that was my question. I didn't know that she was the first ever to be an on-field coach. Um, but very um, hats off to her. Really happy, at least there was a positive that came out from that negative incident. Um, and then let's see, Jeannie says, I think that it was said, uh, control that MF or to Kapler. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I would, I would get super pissed at that, right? And I think that's where the racial undertones came in because it's saying control this guy, you know, as if he was someone who was a servant to... Kapler, you know, that, that was uncalled for. I, I think they worked it out the next day. Um, that helped a lot. I think the next day um, they were seen talking to each other 
um, there wasn't really a handshake that ended that. So I don't think things are fully, you know, under under the river as we're as people call it. But at least there was some type of talk. Hopefully, some type of apology that was unofficial there. Um, but it seems like things were okay now. So so at least that happened. Happy to to see um, some movement there. Um, but yeah, so I guess let's not take away from Alyssa's, um, you know, uh, being able to coach on the field. I uh, hope we see more more women coach on there. You know, I think the sport needs more <laughs> needs more uh, presence of having some equity, right, and some gender equity there. So I'm really happy happy that happened. And we're seeing a lot more, like even for the Niners and for NFL, uh, where we're having female coaches, right? And I think eventually what we need to say is coaches, not female coaches, right? Because we are we should be treating every coach equally, regardless of gender or race. So so good to see things like that move towards progress towards the right direction. And and yeah, so like I said, great light at the end of the tunnel after that, um, you know, that incident there. All right, so let's move on to the picks of the week. It would just be me picking, obviously, because Mike's not here. Um, as mentioned, Mike is on assignment, has some personal leave that he's taking. So the next few weeks would just be me. Episodes will be a lot shorter, obviously, because it's just me talking there. But we'll encourage everyone to live stream to leave comments because love to react to it. So it feels like the audience is kind of like a second host here. Uh, but yeah, so Warriors minus four will be my first game I'm picking against the Nuggets. Still at home, game two of the playoffs. The over-under is 222. Um, 222 is actually fairly in the middle, not too high, not too low. Uh, usually when I see games that are uh, 230 or 210, I kind of I start to suspect, right? Uh, when I see those swings, I tend to go to the direction of the high side or the low side. So if it's 230, go for the over, 210, go for the under, even though it sounds crazy, right? You see a low over under, your instincts is to kind of go over because you're saying, hey, why is it so low? But just have to keep in mind that the bookmakers are really smart at making these lines, right? They're not they're not gonna make a 210 and say, hey, we're we're gonna make a mistake here, right? So 222, pretty down the middle. I think uh for that one, you know, I think Jokic looked really tired at the end of the last game, especially in the third quarter, because he's doing all the work. You know, uh, Joker is like uh, the star of the team and seems like the biggest talent that's ready for the playoffs. You know, everyone else seemed to be, you know, either supporting or not doing as well um, versus the Warriors where the whole team's on fire. Right. So to me, I'm going to take the over. To me, that's the easy over because I think the Warriors have enough firepower to kind of carry the team and uh, Joker is going to get his points as well. So I think that over under 222, I feel confident that both teams can break 100 and possibly break two ten, uh, 110 each, right? So to me, it's just too close to call it for an under, so I'm going to go for over there. Uh, Warriors minus seven, that's tough, right? Seven points is a lot to give up, I think. Uh, especially the last game, I think the Warriors did pretty well. Um, would have easily covered, right? I think it was four... Uh, 16 points uh, win, right? So I think that's why I'm not surprised that the spread is a little bit higher than usual. 
However, I think uh, for this game, if I were to pick sides, pick the Warriors, I think the Warriors at home, unstoppable, right? Especially with Curry back, have the core four there with Jordan Poole and Clay and Draymond kind of firing on all cylinders, ready for the playoffs. So I have to pick the sides, I'll pick the Warriors. But minus seven, that's really hard to cover. The Nuggets will play a lot harder, try to go back home with at least one win. So whether or not they get it, I don't think so. I think the Warriors are still too talented. But I would take the Nuggets plus seven. I think it'll be a lot closer game. Uh, we're probably going to be on pins and deals for this whole game, mainly because of that. right? So I think uh, Nuggets plus seven, but... Money line wise, I'll take the Warriors. Right, the Warriors will will pull it out with a win, going up 2-0 and going back to uh, the Nuggets uh, endeavor. So we'll see how that goes in that's in that uh, game. But yeah, so Nuggets plus seven and over there. So next few games, like I mentioned, will be with the Giants and the Mets doubleheader tomorrow, uh, and it will be a four game series. So let's have a pick of each game. I'll kind of go through my thoughts on each game, right? Uh, so I think for me, I do like the second and the third game with Webb and Rodon, right? I think they're going to be lights out. Hopefully it won't be like the first game with Rodon where he pitches lights out, but we just couldn't generate offense. But the offense is looking a lot better. I think we're... Um, the bats are starting to come alive and we're doing a lot doing pretty well defensively as well as pitching wise and keeping every game low right low scoring so it's been been great to see that um there so i think uh yeah so it'll be Cobb versus mcgill or me mcgill mcgill and then webb versus scherzer Verdon versus bassett and Anthony Scafani versus Carlos Carusco. So pretty uh pretty interesting matchups um, there. Uh I would take the win when it comes to the web and the Redon. So I think two, at least two and two. I think Cobb pulls it out, right? So I think for me the pick would be three and two, uh, or three and one rather. And then possibly the rubber deck game. Uh, with Disclafani and Carlos Carrosco, I think the Mets have a chance to win it there, especially at home. Um, so I feel a little bit less confident there. I think Disclafani, I think to me, doesn't look as good as Cobb, actually. I think Cobb is looking a lot better. So we'll we'll see how it goes there. But to me, you know, that's why we'll go with. We'll see how it goes for the rest of the series. Uh, but I think it'll be a telly series. The Mets are no joke. Mets are a good team. And... Right now, the Giants are too. So I'm kind of excited to see some of the young guys get it done. Uh, I know Ramos uh, looked really good <laughs> for one series or for one game. Uh, he's been called back to the minors because you know we're facing a lot of uh, right-handed pitchers, I guess. So so we'll see how it goes uh, when he comes back. But you know, the younger talent's looking really good. I think even uh, uh, Estrada. Estrada has been really impressing me as well. You know, with Estrada there, uh, we're not really missing La Stella, right? And I think with La Stella back, we'll be hopefully have him play back his second. And maybe Estrada can back up Crawford in a few games, right? Give Crawford, Crawford more time off. 
I think that'll be the benefit of having him back. But Estrada has been lights out, right? He's been uh, seeing the ball really well. And so far, I think the bats have been heating up, right? I think the part that I'm a little more worried about is the bullpen, as always. Uh, Tyler Rogers is back from uh, paternity leave. So at least we have him there. So that, that's also going to help a lot. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Jock Peterson's been, you know, looking really good as well, getting our bats there. And Belt in the last game has really stepped it up too. So right now, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about the hitting as well as the defense improving. I think the first series was a little rocky. <laughs> um, they, they had a few mistakes there, but they've really picked it up on the defensive side. So Giants looking really great there. All right, so want to give a shout out to G Lou. Thank you very much for all your comments as always. You know, I think uh, one more comment from G is you gotta work on your pronunciation. So uh, yeah, I know I, you know, pronouncing names has never been my forte, as it were. Right? I'm surprised I'm uh, able to pronounce uh, some of those names there. I think. What really throws me off is really some of the Spanish names. Um, it's really hard for me. You know, even though I took uh, three years of Spanish, you would think I would know how to roll my R's and pronounce names pretty well, but I don't. So <laughs> so that, that really throws me off there. But, yeah, I'll try to work on it, as you said. So, but, yeah, thank you, G. Lu, for tuning in. All right, so please hit the subscribe button on YouTube. If you're watching me on Facebook, which I think most of you are, uh, please go to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe, and uh, give us some likes, give us some clicks there. We're trying to build up the YouTube page, so that helps with the algorithm. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll try to get some guests on. Uh, if you feel like you want to be on the show with me, Send me a message on Twitter, right? I, I definitely check my Twitter account a lot more than I check a YouTube page and stuff like that. So so please uh, hit the like, subscribe button on YouTube, as well as on our Spotify, Google uh, Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're trying to you know, leave us a five-star review. We do actually have a voicemail feature that we're out there. So I can kind of set the link out for that as well. Uh, we'd love to hear some voicemails from you all and uh, be able to answer questions live uh, with your voicemail, too, if you don't feel like calling in. So I think for our next show, I might do a call-in. We'll kind of see how things go. Uh, but, you know, I think for right now, being by myself, uh, this is kind of the format. Uh, so hope you all enjoyed this episode and uh, hope you tune in next time. Thanks a lot.